as you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I want to acknowledge the presence of one of my friends this morning and his lovely wife, Pastor Walter Simmons, and his lovely wife, Jessica Simmons, leaders of the Empowerment Community Church who have chosen to worship with us this morning. If you're part of the Empowerment family, would you just raise your hand so we can see you? Empowerment, empowerment, empowerment. Amen. Let's pray. Hmm. My God, did not our hearts burn within us when you met with us, when you walked with us along the way? Thank you that you have made a way for us to know you, to worship you, and serve you. But above all, Lord, you made a way that we might experience your love. All that you have done for us and towards us. We just say thank you. Lord, I come now to preach your word. Lord, if I just read the word, it will be all right today. Because your word is powerful. It has a way of piercing our hearts and discerning our thoughts. Your word is even like fire that's shut up in our bones. Your word is sweeter than the honey in the honeycomb. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Your word is the truth that sanctifies us. Your word is the truth that sets us free. Your word is the seed when planted in our hearts. Good ground, it produces good fruit. So Lord, we open our hearts to you saying, have your way. Give us ears to hear what the Lord would say at this hour. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray and ask it all. Amen. Amen. About two weeks ago, my family had a panic on our hands two weeks ago. My house was in an uproar because my daughter, Chase, lost her car keys. Now, Chase doesn't normally lose things. That's her dad's job. But when she had come home with Karis, um, she couldn't find her keys the next day or the day after, or the day after, so she had to use her backup set. And so we were all tearing the house apart, trying to find those keys. We looked everywhere. And it was good to look for the keys because it caused us to find some other stuff we lost that we didn't know. <laughs> and I wanted to be the one to find the keys because I like being my girl's hero. I mean, I just like being super dad. And, and I was wanting to be the one who found the keys. Now, my wife has a nickname in our house called The Finder because she is the one who finds everything that gets lost. And most of the stuff is my stuff. And, and so she's the finder. But this particular situation even had the finder stumped. She couldn't find the keys. And I know my kids well enough to know they're thinking that dad threw the keys away by accident in the garbage, because I'm known to just pick stuff up. If I see stuff laying around too long, I'm going to throw it away. And so I know they're probably thinking, Dad threw the keys away. Dad threw the keys away. And I'm thinking, did I throw the keys away? Did, did, did I throw the keys away? So that was Sunday. Now it's Thursday. I get a text, and it was good news. We have a group text as a family. 
And the text said, we found the keys. And they sent me a picture of where they found the keys. You see, when she was coming into the house through the garage, she was carrying something and set the keys down on one of the things in the garage. Well, the keys fell down and into a pair of my old shoes that I cut the grass in. So, <laughs> Darina and Chase saw the keys at the same time. And they, she, they sent the text out and we were all rejoicing because Chase found her car keys. And I, I have to let you know that there's nothing like finding something that's been lost. As a matter of fact, when we seek for things that are lost, we are in a sense imitating God because God seeks for things, better yet, for people who are lost. You don't believe me? We grew up playing hide and seek, hide and go see. And so if somebody would count and everybody else would hide and you would get up and go after them and try to find where they were hiding. Well, I want you to know that God is a seeker because Adam was playing hide and go seek. If I go back to the book of Genesis, Adam was hiding from God because he had sinned against God. So God went to seek after him. Because when you seek for something, it means that you're searching for it. You're looking for it. You're going after it. And in Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They had sinned. And sin brought a break in their fellowship. It brought shame. And as a result, they were hiding from God when before they used to enjoy the presence of God. But sin broke that fellowship and they hid. But thank God, he's a seeking God because the Bible says, then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? He went to seek after the one who was now lost, the ones who were hiding from him. Well, Jesus also is a seeker, and somebody ought to be glad about that. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Our God is a seeker. And Jesus says, Here, here's part of my mission statement why I came. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. And I just want to know, is there a witness in the house that can say and testify that Jesus' mission statement was fulfilled with you? That he found you. That you are no longer lost. You're born again. Oh boy, that's why the Bible says there's great rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. Who repents. You know, Jesus was so into seeking and saving the lost that in Luke chapter 15, he gave three parables about seeking lost things. He starts off talking about seeking a lost sheep. A good shepherd will leave 99 and go after that one. And when that shepherd finds that one, he brings it back rejoicing. Jesus talked about a woman who lost a coin and she swept her house and she, until she found that coin. And when she found the coin, she called her friends and they rejoiced together. Then he tells the parable of what we call uh, the wayward son who goes away, the rebellious son. And, uh, and, and in that story, that son uh, takes his inheritance and goes away and lives in riotous living. But then he comes to his senses in a pig pen and decides to go back home. But the father was on the porch seeking for him and looking for him and searching for him. And when his father saw the son coming back, the father did what was considered undignified in that day and age. He ran. He ran towards the son, which would have meant he would have had to lift up his robe, exposing his legs, running to his son that was lost. And when he saw his son, he grabbed him, embraced him. You know the story. 
And as the son is trying to say, Father, I, I, I did this, I did that, the father was just saying, hey, hey, kill the fatted calf, get the robe. My son who was lost is now found. My son who is dead is now alive. Let's celebrate. And so whenever you find something, more so someone who is lost, their celebration, God is a seeker. You see, he has to seek us because we can't seek him in and of ourselves. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that no one understands and no one seeks after God. So God has to seek after us first so that we can have a relationship with him. A lot of people will say, man, I found Jesus back in 19 whatever. I found Jesus at the club. I found Jesus. No, no, technically, you didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you where you were. But now that you're found, now there's a relationship. He wants you to reciprocate and now seek after him. You see, once God seeks and finds us, he wants us to seek after him in return. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, the prophet said to the people of God who were in captivity in Babylon, and you will seek me, God says, and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Isaiah 55, verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Amos chapter 5 verse 4, for thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, seek me and live. And in Matthew chapter 7 verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. So today with your prayers and with the help of the Holy Spirit, let's talk about seek the risen king. Seek the risen king. We know that Jesus was crucified on Friday. His body was in a tomb on Saturday. And he rose from the dead on Sunday. Now, all four Gospels reveal to us that on that Sunday, that first day of the week after the Shabbat or after the Sabbath, after Saturday, that the women got up and went to the tomb. And in all four Gospels, not only does it say the women went to the tomb early in the morning, but in the New King James Version, it uses the word seek. So in every Gospel, that is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 5, the women went to seek the Lord. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6, the women went to seek the Lord. Luke chapter 21, verse 5, uh, 24, verses 1 through 5, the women went to seek after the Lord. And one of the angels says, why are you seeking the living among the dead? And what we'll read today in John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1, we will see how Mary, in particular, went to seek the Lord. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. I'll skip down after that to verse 11. It says, now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early. While it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, 
Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. My God. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. And since the women were seeking the risen Christ, guess what? They found him. For those who seek shall find. The women were seeking the risen Christ. And they found him. Jesus appeared first to the women in his resurrected state because the women were the first to seek him. What an honor. And from these women we learn that when we diligently seek the risen king, we definitely will find him. When we diligently seek the risen king, we definitely will find him. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But I'm afraid many of us are not too diligent in our seeking of the Lord. I'm afraid that for many of us, we may be in a dry season right now, spiritually. I would say that for many of us, we may be in a place where Spiritually, we feel stagnant, where we feel like we're just going through the motions and there's nothing really special going on in our spiritual life. Some of us might even confess that we've been more busy seeking what was in the hand of God than seeking the face of God or the heart of God. And so things are not really fresh for us. But I'm here to let you know that things can change in a moment. Because once your heart is changed and you say, Lord, I'm seeking after you with my whole heart as a deer is panting after the water brook. So my soul is thirsty and longing for you, O oh God. You see, once we see and seek the risen king, once we seek him and find him, a few things will definitely happen. So Mary was diligent to seek him. She definitely found him. She can teach us a few things because once she found him, my God, God blessed her immensely. You see, when you seek the king like she did, we will hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Has it been in a long time since you've heard his voice? I'm not talking about an audible voice. Some of you may say, yeah, I've heard him speak audibly. But I'm talking about when he speaks in your soul, when he drops a word into your spirit, when you're reading the Bible and it jumps off the pages to you. And some of you say, Pastor, reading the Bible, man, it's just kind of boring, man. I, I don't get it. Those hithers and thithers, those these and thous, I, I don't get it. Well, you might need a more modern translation. Some of y'all say if the King James was good enough for Moses, it's good enough for me. But reading the Bible and spending time with God is a lot like digging for treasure. You don't hit the treasure on the first stroke of the pit or putting the shovel in. You know, you, you got to dig for wisdom, the Bible says. Um, my wife has not yet written a pop-up book. She's written many children's books. Um, but a pop-up book, if you remember those, when you read those, uh, uh, the page unfolds before you. Now, when you start reading a pop-up book, you open up the cover page, nothing pops up. Why? That's the table of contents or the cover page, the copyright page. You flip another one, it's a blank page. And if you're not careful, you'll put the pop-up book down saying, it doesn't work, I want my money back. <laughs> because I turned the page and nothing popped up. I turned the page and nothing popped up. And I would say to you, keep on turning. Because it's going to do what it's supposed to do. And a lot of us set the Bible down and say, it's just not speaking to me. I read Genesis and I got locked up in Leviticus. I don't know what's going on and I'm putting it down. 
I just say keep on reading because the book is going to do what it's supposed to do. It's a living book that will pop up into your life if you really want the riches that are contained in it. So when you seek him, you're going to hear his voice. Not only will you hear his voice, you're going to hear him call your name. He said, Mary. You see, he's a personal God. He loves everybody and he knows everyone's name. Matter of fact, the Bible says he's written our names on the palms of his hands in the Old Testament. He knows every hair that's on our head. And there's nothing like hearing the master speak your name in your spirit. When he says, Chris, I love you. Chris, slow down. You're driving a little too fast. Chris. Chris. That's that personal relationship. Why? Because the spirit that raised up Jesus is alive in us. And this same spirit tells us that we're sons and daughters of God. So how do you know? If Nicole Mullen was here, she would say, I know that, I know that, I know that, I know, because I spoke to him this morning. And so when he speaks to you and you speak to him, he will speak into your spirit. Mary heard his voice and she heard him call his name, her name. But not only that, she worshiped him like she never worshiped him before. And that would have never happened had she not been seeking him. She grabbed him to the point where Jesus said, don't cling to me. Don't hold on to me because I have not yet ascended. Because if I let you hold on to me, I won't be able to go to my father and nobody else will be able to get a hold of me. So she's holding on. It's as if she and Jesus are the only ones on the planet at that time. Her worship was reinvigorated. And it began with the fact that she went seeking after him. And some of us, our worship is stale. Our worship is just, oh, well, you know, let me sing this song and sit down. But man, when you're seeking him and you find him, you will worship him and cling to him in heightened passion. Not only that, when you seek him and find him, he'll give you your assignment. He said to her, go and tell my brothers and your brothers, go and preach to the men is what he was saying. I wish I could stop and stay there for a minute for my Southern Baptist friends who have a problem with women preaching the word, but I'm going to keep on going anyhow. Can somebody say amen, Pastor? Amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. She went to preach, proclaim the good news to the men. And if Mary could do that 2,000 years ago, I don't understand why a woman can't stand behind this sacred desk and proclaim the good news to the rest of us. I don't get it. I think that day was a lot more important than all the stuff we go through in our day. And Jesus said, go, because how can they hear without a what? A preacher. And she goes, and, and so she got her assignment. And a lot of us are saying, what am I put here for? What's my purpose? I encourage you to seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. And he will show you why you are who you are and why he put you where he put you in order to bring him glory. There's an assignment that each person has in this room, but you won't know it if you don't seek him to find out what it is. He told her to go. And a lot of us are saying, Lord, what's the next step in my life? I'm here to let you know whatever you are called to do, it's supposed to impact other people and not just bless yourself. We're all called to a people. Some of us are called to the poor. Some of us are called to people in the business sector. Some of us are called to educate people, to feed people. We're called to people, to coach people, to lead people, to serve people. We may be called to people who have uh, developmental challenges. We may be called to people who are up and out and down and out. We may be called to people who are in politics. We're called to people. And he says, go and talk to the men. Oh, he's got an assignment for you. I pray that you walk in it. If you don't know what it is, seek him. And then when we seek him and find him, we'll leave his presence satisfied, joyful and hopeful. She left that grave different than how she came in. Why? Because she met the risen Savior. Where she may have come in with tears in her eyes of grief and sorrow, she skipped and leapt and ran away from that tomb with tears of joy in her eyes because she encountered the risen Savior. 
Matthew 28, verse 8, when Jesus met the women, they clung to him as well. He told them, get up and go and talk to the men. And the Bible says they went away with joy because in his presence, there's the fullness of joy. So once we seek the risen king and find him, a few things are definitely going to happen. You're going to hear his voice. He's going to call your name. We're going to worship and cling to him in heightened passion. We'll get our assignment from him or we'll get our assignment renewed because sometimes we get tired in our assignment and try to change assignments. You're like, no, I didn't change assignments. You're trying to change. No, no, plug back into me and you'll find out what you're supposed to do, which is stay on the wall doing what I called you to do. And then we'll leave his presence satisfied, joyful and hopeful. But, but I have to ask a question before I let you go and get to them eggs. I, 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 I got to ask a question. Uh, uh, uh. While the women were seeking the Christ, what were the men doing? While the women were going to the tomb early, was the old Baptist preacher would say, early on Sunday. What? What were the men doing? Mark chapter 16, verse 14 lets us know. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief because they didn't believe the women and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So while the women were seeking, the men were sitting. I got to say that again. While the women were seeking, the men were sitting. This means there are two types of Christians in this room right now. There are sitters and there are seekers. You see, sitters are fearful. Seekers are courageous. Sitters are full of excuses, but seekers are full of action. Sitters are easily distracted, but seekers are devoted and disciplined. Sitters have a private kind of faith. It's just between them and Jesus. But seekers have a public kind of faith. Sitters sit down and sulk. Seekers get up and go. Sitters are overcome by barriers. They're even overwhelmed by barriers. But seekers overcome barriers. That's what you're talking about. Because if you're going to be a seeker, expect barriers. These women went to the tomb, and there was a barrier called the Roman guard, but they went anyway. The men were sitting at home afraid of the Roman guard. Uh, uh, these women went to the tomb knowing that there was a barrier called a stone because they were like, we don't know who's going to move the stone, but that didn't stop them from going. And not only was the stone there, the stone was sealed with the Roman imprint on it saying that if you break this seal, you are now an enemy of the state. But they didn't let those barriers stop them from seeking. But men sit and make excuses on why we can't go and do what God would have us to do. Now, I must confess, I am not always a seeker. Sometimes I'm a sitter. You got to say that word right, because if you say it wrong, somebody might say, you're cussing up in here. Uh, sometimes I, I'm not always a seeker. I'm like these guys, and I make excuses, and I get tired, and I don't want to let my light shine. I don't feel like going. Let somebody else go. But I'm reminded of the song that says, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. But here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Because I ain't going to sit long because I got to get up and seek him. But fellas, I, I'm going to help y'all out. I'm going to help y'all out because I know I lost a lot of y'all. Y'all probably not going to come back to the church. <laughs> I got to say this too because as we applaud the women 
and rightfully so, as we applaud them. We got to point out the fact that as they were seeking the Lord, they were going to the tomb seeking a dead Jesus. They were seeking a dead Jesus. You say, Pastor Chris, how do you know? Well, John chapter 20, verse 15 says, she, speaking of Mary, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. So she's going to the tomb against all the barriers, expecting to find a dead Jesus. They have all their spices because they're going to rewrap the body after Joseph of Arimathea uh, and Nicodemus took the body down and wrapped it quickly before the sun went down on the uh, Friday leading into the day of preparation or the, or the Holy Sabbath. They had to hurry up, not only get the body off the cross, but wrap the body, put it in this borrowed tomb of a rich man. And so the ladies were watching how it was being done. They're like, no, that ain't right. That ain't, they're not wrapping that body right. They're not wrapping that body right. So they got up early and they had all that stuff to come and rewrap the body. So they weren't seeking a living Jesus. They were seeking a dead Jesus. And, and I think some of us have been there before. Because you might be seeking a dead Jesus yourself. Mm -hmm. You might be seeking a dead Jesus if you think Jesus needs your help. That's a dead Jesus right there. Because they came thinking, we, we got to help him. We, we got to get his body right. And we got to help because he can't help himself. And some Christians have a theology that says that God needs me. That God needs the church. That God needs my money. That God needs my vote. That God needs my church. Now, it ain't your church. Uh, God don't need anything. He's God all by himself. The earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. Jesus is allowing the earth to rotate right now on its axis without falling off. He doesn't need anything. But some of us think that, God, it's up to me. But no, 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 it's up to God. He, he doesn't need, release yourself of that pressure. He doesn't need you. You got a dead Jesus if you think he needs your help. You might be seeking a dead Jesus if you don't believe he has ears to hear your prayers or power to answer them. You see, some of us say, I sought him, I asked, I knocked. Uh, I didn't find him. The door didn't get open. None of that happened, so I'm giving up. Well, when Jesus said what he said in Matthew chapter 7 about seeking, asking, and knocking, it's in the present tense, which means keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking. Some of us knock one time and roll out <laughs> because he didn't come through for us. Because a lot of times God will have us wait because it's not so much the thing. It, it's what he wants to do inside of us. He doesn't spoil his kids. You might spoil yours. That as soon as they ask for something, you give it to them. No, no, no. God doesn't always give us what we ask for when we ask for it. Because sometimes I find myself, I asked for something on Tuesday, but by the time I got to asking on Thursday, I didn't ask for it anymore because he started showing me some stuff. I didn't need that. He showed me something else. Or he just said, wait on me. I heard you. Wait on me. And Sister Nancy shared the other night at the Good Friday service when her husband was on duty fighting in one of the Iraqi wars. And he's on this chopper, this helicopter, and he's flying into a battle zone, Brother David French. And he's like, man, uh, I was, I'm, I'm a lawyer, uh, and I said I would join the army, but I didn't know I was going to sign up for all of this. And so he prays and says, Lord... Help me. God, you feel so distant from me. God, he's watching fire go up and all, all the, the machinery go. And he's on this helicopter. He's like, Lord. And he felt like God was distant from him at that time. And he says, God, if you would just help me. And he didn't feel that God was helping him. But God allowed him to get home from that war, even though many of his friends had died. And then a little while later, he and Nancy decided to adopt a young girl from Ethiopia. 
And when they start doing all the paperwork, Nancy says, they looked at the day in which this little girl they were trying to get, the day she was born. And the day that she was born was the day that David was on that plane saying, God, show your power. God, help me, God. Show me that you're real, God. And when he felt that God was not there, no, God was there already planning his future because his daughter was born on the day he was in that plane saying, God, where are you? And he found out later that God was working in a season when he thought that God was not working. When you seek the Lord, you got to keep on seeking. He heard you, but do you believe he has the power to answer? You might be seeking a dead Jesus if the only time you seek him is on Sunday. That's a dead Jesus. That's almost like a hookup relationship. I'm just going to meet you on the weekend. We're going to be friends with benefits or something. It's just. Yeah, don't be coming up in here shouting on Sunday and living like Jesus is dead on Monday. God will not be mocked. You, you might have a dead Jesus. And I'm not going to make fun of the people who only come to church on Easter because I want you to come back again next year. You might be seeking a dead Jesus if you don't believe he's worthy of your time, your talent, or your treasure. Do you give to your Jesus? Do you serve your Jesus? Those talents that he gave you, is he glorified through them? You might have a dead Jesus if you don't want to be inconvenienced when it comes time to worship him. I got to say this because I've been to several countries in Africa and I have seen people walk for miles. I said walk for miles with children to get to church. But we're so spoiled here that we don't want to drive 10 minutes down the road to get to church because, oh, that's just too far. But the school your kids go to is around the corner from the church. So you make that drive every day, but on Sunday, you can't make it for Jesus. Your Jesus dead. He ain't alive. You say, it cost me, Pastor. Gas is going up. Okay, I will not offer anything to the Lord that didn't cost me something. There are people in other cities who take trains and buses to get to church. Man, when Strong Tower moved from Franklin over 10 years ago, we, we had been in Franklin for 17 years, and people were coming from all over the area to go to church in Franklin. But when we moved eight miles down the road, I almost, uh, these people <laughs> talking about we're called to Franklin. Wait a minute, I thought we were called to the world. Uh, 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 I don't really want to get up and make that drive. Your Jesus is dead. It ought to cost you something, and that ain't nothing. I remember when we used to meet at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for two years at the People's Church. We lost people because they didn't want to come worship at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But guess what? We gained some people, too, because they said, I like worshiping at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So that fair weather crowd, you'll lose them, but you'll get some people who are hungry and thirsty for God. Amen. You might have a dead Jesus if you don't think he's a God of justice. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Some people just think Jesus is here just to take you to heaven. That's the only reason why he came. That's the only reason to get you to heaven. Such a personalized kind of salvation when many of the letters that were written in the Old Testament and the New Testament were not written to individuals, they were written to communities. So our salvation, yes, yeah, personal, but we're part of a community. So if one part suffers, the whole part suffers. So if one part of the body is lacking, we should do like the early church did. We might have to sell some stuff to give to the poor so that they can be empowered because the essence of the gospel is the empowerment of the powerless. For consider the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Rich in righteousness. 
But we're so, you know, God, it's about me. So when kids are getting shot in school, we're not going to sit down and really use our legal power, our legislative power to create policies that will prevent that from happening to get these killing machines off the street. Instead, we're going to turn around and call out the ones who are preaching the truth right there on the floor of the hall. Because we don't believe God is a God of justice. Oh, yes, he is. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do good. Seek justice. Because if you're seeking Jesus, you're going to end up seeking justice, which will cause you to rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. Proverbs 28.5, evil men do not understand justice. That might as well sit. Uh, but those who seek the Lord understand all. You understand justice when you seek the Lord. And when you see these differing scales and weights out here, and you say, that doesn't pass the smell test. Three people stood up against decorum on the floor. Two of them got disciplined. One did not. Well, who were the two that were disciplined? The ones that looked like me. And as Justin Jones says, this set feels more like 1963 than 2023. But there's some people out there, oh, it's never about race. It's ne oh, that, it's not about race. Well, when is it going to be about race? <laughs> on a country that was built on racism. But now all of a sudden, mm -mm, that's not race. You need to listen to people who've been oppressed by racism. You need to listen to their testimonies because when we say that it's racism, you better believe it's racism. But if you don't value me, you're not going to value my perspective or my opinion. But we're still going to fight for justice. I'll be at the march tomorrow, Lord willing, hoping and praying these two men get reinstated so that the constituents in there Areas will be covered by righteous politicians. Well, in conclusion, the women who went to the tomb early on Sunday morning teach us when we diligently seek the risen king, we definitely will find him. So how do I adjust myself this week to prioritize seeking the risen king? Because when I find him, watch out. I'll hear his voice. He'll call me by my name. It'll be a personal time. We'll worship, I'll worship him and cling to him and, and, and I'll get my assignment or my assignment refreshed because I've been in his presence. I've heard my marching orders and I'll leave his presence better than how I went in. Well, there was a movie back in the day. It came out in the early 70s called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. See, I'm, I'm a deep preacher. I'm a deep preacher. <laughs> and uh, the movie is very slow, very slow. But the beginning of it talks about there's this candy factory owned by a dude named Willy Wonka that no one has seen. He's a social recluse. But his candy is all over the world. And, and he's giving out prizes for people to come into his candy shop. And so they inserted five gold tickets. Do I have a witness? Five gold tickets into all of these candy bars. And people went seeking after the gold tickets by buying candy bars and opening up candy bars, seeking the gold ticket to try to be one of the five so that they can get the prize and go into the candy manufacturing plant. Well, the story shows how four people got the tickets. One was so rich, he bought thousands of, of candy bars and found one. And so, 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 so four people find it. But then the, the, the star of the show, little Charlie, Charlie, Charlie and his family, they are broke. They live, man, they, 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 they live on that side of town and across the tracks. They broke. And when you look at it, it's four of them jokers in one bed. <laughs> Grandma, Grandpa, I don't even know who these other old people are in the bed. They all in the bed. They don't never go nowhere. They in the bed. Roof got holes in it and everything. They poor, they broke. 
Well, Charlie, one day, he's walking down the street. He looks through a grate in the street and sees a coin. Charlie reaches through the grate, grabs the coin, goes to the candy store, buys two candy balls. I think the Lord was with Charlie. <laughs> First candy ball, Charlie eats it right there in the shop. Mm, nothing happens. No, no gold ticket in there. He opens up the next one. Boom, gold ticket. Charlie looking at the ticket. Y'all got a picture of Charlie looking at the ticket. Charlie looking at the ticket. <laughs> he was seeking it, and he found it. That's rejoicing because he goes home with the ticket because that means there's hope now. And, and when he tells Grandpa Joe, Grandpa Joe gets up out the bed, starts dancing, he even starts singing and everything because they found what they were seeking after. In five minutes, I'm going to let these kids go. And they're going to be out here seeking Easter eggs. They, they, they're not too proud to be digging and looking and getting on their knees. They, they got on good clothes that y'all paid all that good money for and they're looking for them eggs. Because they know that inside the egg is some candy. So they're seeking. But, but, but Felicia said, in addition to the regular eggs, we got four golden eggs out there. And when you get the golden egg, keep it in your basket. Don't come running to her. Like she said, keep it in your basket. Because when it's all said and done, you're going to get a special prize, young people, if you get the golden egg. So guess what? Kids are going to be seeking and searching for the golden eggs. And I wonder, are there any adults in the room who are going to seek and, and seek and go after the living God? Not just because of how he can bless you, but because he is the blessing. And, and I'm going to seek him out when I don't feel like it. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Jesus is the treasure. So let us seek him. Seek him if you have to go early in the morning. Seek him if you have to go late at night. Seek him if you have to go with some people. Seek him if you have to go by yourself. Seek him when times are good. Seek him when times are bad. Seek him when you got some money in your pocket. Seek him when you're broke. Seek him when you're on the mountaintop. Seek him when you're down in the valley. Seek him when you feel like it. Seek him when you don't feel like it. Seek him when your faith is strong. Seek him when your faith is weak. Seek him on Sunday and then turn around and seek him again on Monday. Whatever you do, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord because when you find him, He's going to bless you in ways you could never, ever comprehend. He does not disappoint. He is the treasure. Let's stand for prayer. He's the risen king. He's worthy to be sought. We couldn't even seek him if he didn't seek us first. We couldn't find him if he didn't find us first. But like any relationship, it's not a one-way street. We're going to seek him in return. There's a whole lot of distractions out here. Sometimes I get up in the morning and I seek what's on Facebook before I seek his face. And the spirit convicts me and he says, come on now. Seek me. Spend time with me. Do what I tell you to do. My God. Father, we are here today as your believers, as your disciples. We thank you, Lord, that you gave Mary power. You gave the women power because they had been in your presence. And they went out telling the good news to an audience that really wasn't receptive. And those were the believers. 
God, I pray that we'll leave this place because we've been in your presence today. There's joy on us because we've been in your presence. But Lord, you keep reminding us we don't have to wait for Sunday to be in your presence. Lord, we can be in your presence when we're driving. We can be still and know that you're God, Lord, when we're home, when we're at the office. We never escape your presence because you are everywhere, but may we acknowledge you in all of our ways. May you not be someone we come to on the back end. May we be people who come to you on the front end and everything in between because, Jesus, you told us to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness and all the other things we need will be added to us. Thank you, Lord, for this morning where we could celebrate together. But, Lord, we know church really begins when we leave this building. So, Lord, as we leave here, we... We know we're not leaving your presence, but we do confess we need your presence so that people can look at us and say, wait a minute now, they're not very smart, uh, but I can tell they've been with Jesus. Lord, I pray that people will know we've been with you because you've rubbed off on us so that we can share your love with people. We can forgive, we can give, we can bless, we can serve even as you have done and still do for us. So now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his throne with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forevermore. And all of the seekers in the house said, I said all of the seekers in the house said, Amen. amen. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Hallelujah. Well, all right, the children will be here, the, the smaller ones, the older ones down the hill. Uh, uh, we're packing in the fellowship hall to be able to bless folks who could use a meal. So come on, y'all, let's get busy. Love you. Have a great day.